everyone and welcome back to Kushti Podcast where we support those with mental illness and hopefully give people an insight into what life's like with mental illness and yeah I just hope you're all okay or as okay as you can be in these difficult very turbulent stressful times. I hope that you're taking some time out for yourself and getting time to relax and unwind and really look after the mind and my heart goes out to everyone in the black community especially because boy has it been hard even to just be online um a lot of us use on the online communities as escape and it's now rightfully so been flooded with traumatic videos and images and it's stirring a lot of emotions up for me personally and yeah I just want to say my heart goes out to you and if there's anything that my podcast or I could do I'm willing to do it um I'm kind of struggling myself at the moment hence why there's been a bit of a delay with this episode and I've just had some technical problems but we're all back we're back baby and I just want to say my piece I can't come on this podcast and not discuss racism in one way or another that's just the way I feel at the moment I feel like I've got to um talk about it but I'm not going to just be talking about racism in general you know I'm I'm not a historian uh, I'm not that, that academic and I don't know I don't know what I could necessarily offer but I will talk about um racism in the mental health services and in relation to mental illness as that's something I do know about I have first-hand experience about so I will be talking a bit about that and some other things as well on how we can all just unwind and look after ourselves and yeah if that sounds interesting to you then carry on listening and if you're new here welcome I'm Erin also known as Erin Louise on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I've actually been getting a bit too angry on Twitter recently and I need to learn to not overshare on social media and I need to learn to save some stuff to the drafts. Um, But I think with lockdown and us relying on social media more, um, I have just seen my screen time go up. And I'm not saying that social media is all bad. It's not, as it is a good way for us to connect with each other, spread information, and in times when we're not meant to be meeting up with each other, it is a way to connect. But I will say, I don't think it is great for our mental health. And yes, social media doesn't give us a mental illness, but does it really help? I think I'll leave the discussion about social media for another episode. If you ever have any ideas of topics that you would like me to discuss on this podcast, then please do get in contact with me. You can go to kushti.org and the contact section will have all the links. Or just message me on Twitter or Instagram. You know, I'm open to talk about a lot of different things as long as it's going to help benefit someone, make someone feel less alone. Um, yeah, then nothing, nothing's off limits, guys. So go crazy. 
And if you also have any questions, which I always answer in the episode, I didn't get any questions this week, I will say, so there will not be a Q&A segment in this episode. But that just gives me more time to talk about racism in relation to mental illness. So I'm actually a little bit nervous to talk about racism. And it's not the first time I've talked about racism online. I was probably about 15, I want to say, when I made a video on my YouTube channel talking about being mixed race. And I got a lot of negative comments and positive comments. But also, it was a very different time back then. I didn't know as much as I do now, obviously. I'm nearly 10 years older. Um, But it wasn't what it's if when i watch it back it makes me feel uncomfortable because there's certain things i'm talking about that i just don't understand yet and that's okay i think that's the thing i'm scared to say something wrong and have it on record but this is important to talk about and it's better to talk about it and get something wrong than to not talk about it at all and i feel like i'd been kind of conditioned to not speak about it and to kind of accept certain things um dating back to school even um like a teacher being racist to me and or someone else in my class and it just been kind of swept under the rug and not addressed nothing happened when I said anything so what's the point kind of thing if you know what I mean um but I definitely think the link between racism and mental illness it isn't because the color of my skin that and my biology necessarily that I've got a mental illness not that I know of anyway um that's got to do with my race but maybe the trauma from experiencing a lot of racism growing up could be a contribution because I don't know if many of you knew but um you're more likely to suffer with a mental illness if you are black or an ethnic minority in this country and that is scary and I have a few stats here that I just wanted to share about um, the mental health system and the services. So they're quite scary stats, um, but I think everyone needs to be aware of this. So 23% of inpatient admissions are people from the black and African uh, community, uh, black African Caribbean community in the UK, 23%. And considering when you look at the population and the percentages it 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 is scary to know that how many more how how much how much more likely you are to end up in an inpatient unit if you're black than if you're white and what does that say and then um when you are in inpatient units you're 29% more likely to be uh, restrained with force Um, and you are 50% more likely to be put in seclusion. Now, there is an argument that this is because majority of black people with mental health problems have more severe mental health problems. There is that argument that I've read up on. Um, But what it appears to me is also a kind of prejudice, preconceived ideas of the staff who are almost too hasty to restrain 
and put in seclusion because they're scared and they don't realise necessarily that that's racist. I'm not saying that all staff members are racist, white staff members are racist, but just the way the system and how they're trained, they may have preconceived ideas and prejudices that meaning they feel more threatened by black people than white people in an inpatient setting. And that is very upsetting um, stats for me to read. And the link between inherited trauma and racism as well. Um, I saw a few studies going about about trauma being inherited. So if your parents have gone through traumatic events that somehow biologically it's tr- uh, it like kind of trickles down to you. I'm not, I haven't read too much into that. So do your own research. I'm just going off of little things I've read on Google. I think that's another thing we've got to remember is we can always educate ourselves. We can, Google is free. We can always search and find things out for ourselves and not always rely on someone else to tell you. Um, I think that's really important. And with every stat or article, I always question it. Even if it's in line with my beliefs and my values, I always question it. I always question and try to, in some ways, play devil's advocate just to fully get a bigger pic, uh, the, a full picture, big picture, and then make my own judgment. You're also more likely to be referred to mental health services from the police if you're black. Which means, again, that it's it gets to a certain state or it escalates to a certain point. And it does make me wonder, is there something we can do to prevent this? You know, I can imagine <laughs> a few scenarios where people would call the police instead of trying to approach and help someone based on their skin colour. And so much of this isn't me telling everyone who's white that your life is perfect and you've had it really easy I'm just saying that your life hasn't been hard because of your skin colour it's for other reasons now a lot of my experiences with racism and the mental health services hasn't necessarily been anything violent or extreme but more of what they call a microaggression. So something small that they might say or do that is racially aggravated, but it isn't harmful. It's not like to the outside person, they wouldn't notice necessarily the, what the, that person said. But the problem with the mental health services is, is that it's not just a case of, oh, someone you're working with as something that offends me or is inappropriate. These are people in charge of your care and they can alter your how well your treatment goes and how much care you're given based on your skin colour and preconceived racist views and values. And I don't blame that person personally necessarily for those views. A lot of people just grow up uneducated about racism But what I found the most scary in my experience was it wasn't necessarily what professionals said to my face, but what they wrote in my notes and I read a few weeks later 
as you may know, you get a letter a few weeks after the appointment as a little summary of what was said and how you presented yourself. And I'd often get stuff about my hair and and how I present myself as being um, unkept when, in fact, no, I've just got an afro (laughs) and stuff like... I'd also get a lot of a lot I get the, I think this is the thing I got the most was that I was a difficult patient and I think that's not fair because I'd see people with a similar diagnosis to me who were saying exactly the similar things to me presenting symptoms in the same way as me but they were not being labeled as non-compliant difficult or necessarily aggressive or to have an attitude which I didn't feel I necessarily had I definitely would have an attitude in the way that when I was manic um I'd be quite all about myself selfish grandiose self-thoughts and things um and I'd be difficult in that sense but I wouldn't be the real me everyday me wouldn't have an attitude I would actually want to get help you know I'd I'd want to be supported and it it really still to this day upsets me to know that people that were writing my notes and in control of my care could have had these ideas about me I can't necessarily prove it or say anything as well I feel like I can't say anything um because I'm already got the label of being mentally ill I don't know if anyone else relates to that but they feel like they can't necessarily complain or stand up for themselves in the same way because they are labelled as mentally ill. And I think that's a discussion that we need to have more and people need to understand. It's also important to remember that it's not just necessarily white people that have been racist or something in my notes, uh, Asian people as well, and... I think especially doctors, psychiatrists, I just felt like I wasn't really being heard or listened to and I didn't even when I would then go to mental health charities and things, I wouldn't necessarily be speaking to people that understood what racism's like and how that has affected me. Until I met one of my therapists in CAMS uh, who I had for two years, and she was mixed race, and I can't stress enough the difference that actually made, to my therapist anyway, um, I had a great, um, psychiatrist as well, who was white, um, but what I'm trying to say is, is that that understanding, and, like, not shying away from talking about it, um, really helped with my recovery, I think, in the UK, the treatment that you get on the NHS and who you see very much depends on your postcode, where you live, what area you live in. So I live in a very white rural area of the UK and that's when I experienced the majority of the racist attitudes towards me um, from the team and it I don't think that would have happened. I know that wouldn't have happened if there had maybe just been like, you know, one black mental health nurse on the team or something, um, I feel like that might not have happened and things wouldn't have been played out in the same way. 
and also people have a lot of assumptions about my family and where I come from and things uh, that always bugged me, the, the way they would ask me certain questions about my family um, and I just didn't feel like I was in the place where I could call them out on it, you know, like they're there to help you, you're asking for help from them, you can't start necessarily standing up for yourself in that way and I'm only just thinking about it now as I talk about it and it does make me very angry and if you feel the same I feel your pain and maybe I think this is why we need to talk about it more um a lot of people don't like to talk about racism because it hurts it's painful it's a painful conversation to have especially if you're around people who don't necessarily completely get it um it can be quite isolating and to feel different from people and when you have a mental illness quite often you feel like you're different and the odd one out anyway so to be a minority as well just adds adds to the stress and yeah it's 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 a hard it's a heavy topic and I just want you to know you're not alone if you're feeling any of this and if you have any questions or anything you'd like me to talk more about I definitely will I just had to get some of this off my chest I I've been feeling like I'm not contributing enough to society that's a fear I get because I'm unemployed at the moment and I don't feel like I'm helping in the way that I want to help just yet um, and my mental illness has affected my ability to work and my ability to finish university and things like that. So, yeah, that's a fear and that's why I had to talk about it today. Um, but I just wanted to finish off this episode on a bit of a lighter note, as I do realise this episode's been a bit heavier than previous episodes, I think. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I just want to say that there is hope and it's not all doom and gloom and there's plenty of things we can do by supporting those around us, everyone around us, in our community, whatever their skin colour. We can look out and look after each other. There are a lot of charities and organisations that are popping up and have been have been around for years that are now getting some well-deserved funding from people protesting and just spreading awareness on social media and one of the ones I wanted to highlight today was Black Minds Matter UK um, which is all about raising money for black people to get therapy with black therapists which I just think that is an amazing idea and so far I think they've raised enough for 212 week sessions so that's the kind of thing that we desperately need. I also think that we need more people who are black talking about mental health in the public eye so we really understand that oh this happens to us too and oh this is because of this and just we need to, we're being kept in the dark as well um and I just think it's really important that we all speak out and continue talking about mental health as some people get annoyed about mental health awareness saying oh we've got plenty of awareness now we don't need any more but I think we do we need awareness from more diverse 
perspectives and experiences like everyone's experience of a mental illness is completely different and we need to hear as many people as we can so that we're able to help and know who needs what but I thought I would end by giving you a tool as a lot of people said that they really like me sharing um my distress tolerance handouts that I got in dialectical behavior therapy um which I will talk in more detail about if you would like um but today we're going to talk about distracting as I feel like a lot of us need distractions and the way that we remember this handout is the skill is called basically accepts and each letter stands for something so accepts so a stands for activities so engaging in exercise or hobbies so that can literally be anything from watching tv to music books um exercise you know you get the gist activities and then the net the next c is contributing uh which means you should contribute to something so maybe volunteer or maybe even if you can't volunteer or get out in your community if you find it hard to leave the house for example but just doing something thoughtful like calling someone or just messaging someone hello how are you could just be your way of contributing and then the next c is comparisons now i always found this one a bit hard um because i try not to compare but this is saying compare yourself to people coping the same as you or less well than you i guess what it's trying to say is just don't think about yourself for a bit but i don't like the way this one's worded personally and then the next one is e for emotions so maybe read something emotional um watch an emotional film listen to emotional music just feel a strong emotion um and that could be any emotion it could be watching like comedy shows for uh that emotion or maybe you want to watch an emotional drama just to feel something you know some people like can't feel anything they can't feel any emotions and watching a sad film could be the only time they cry for example which can actually be quite a therapeutic healthy way actually crying uh obviously there's a limit to how much you should be crying but i think expressing your emotions and getting it out is really important then there's p for pushing away so you push away the situation by leaving it for a while leave the situation mentally build an imaginary wall between yourself and the situation push the situation away by blocking it from my your mind get off the thought train i quite like that one get off the train as in you can get back on the train it will still be there but just get off for a bit you know have a break um and then t is for thoughts so this is kind of like some thinking skills so like counting games in your head counting colors in a picture working out puzzles sudoku that kind of thing uh repeating words lots of thought games are really distracting if you've got nothing else around you that's working and then s is for sensations now that could be maybe squeezing a rubber ball very hard uh listening to very loud music holding ice in your hands going out in the rain taking a hot or cold shower 
um, or putting a rubber band on your wrist and pulling it and letting it go. So sensations that can keep you present and distracted. And I quite like some of these things on this list. Some of the things aren't my cup of tea, but that's the thing. You've got to take in all the information you can and then decide for yourself whether it works for you or not. And yeah, that's a good distracting technique. Um, My favourite probably is contributing, uh, hence why I'm doing this podcast. And yeah, I hope that you're feeling okay and that I've raised some awareness to some points you might not necessarily have known or maybe you do and you want me to chat in more detail then please get in touch I I really want can't stress that enough don't be afraid to message and I will talk to you all and see you on the next episode okay all right